another traveler. Pull a chair up and rest your feet. Would you care for some food or a drink? Perhaps some information or a legendary tale. Come, stay a while and listen. Welcome to Tavern Legends, episode two of Table Talk. I'm Clayton Friedemann, here with Jacob Yambor. And today we are going to be discussing some campaigns that we have played in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Um, it's going to be kind of a comprehensive list of the ones we enjoyed the least to the ones we enjoyed the most. Um, they're, they're all pretty good quests, but uh, I suppose we'll... We kind of have a little bit of a, a framework we're going to do. We're going to introduce the campaign, talk a little bit about what you do in that game, and then we're going to talk about some favorite moments from it, and then we're going to highlight some pros and cons, yes, and sir. then uh, we'll move on to the next one. So I guess we'll hand it off to Jake Yombar to get us started with the first one. All right, so first up on our list at position number eight, we have Tyranny of Dragons. We did enjoy this quest. Uh, but we do have to say that we're playing it right now, and it has been heavily modified. So mm -hmm. our experience was majority just the beginning part. We did that caravan part and the uh, first town, which I can never remember the name of, where we fight the dragon. Greenbit. Thank you, Greenbit. So we did that part a couple times. We tried it with Adventure League. Um, I would say it's, it is overall a decent campaign. We can't speak too much on the end part of it. Uh, yeah. Haven't gotten there yet, but what what do you, what is it you we do in this in this campaign? So, Tyranny of Dragons. The idea is that um, Tiamat is attempting to be res resurrected, and a cult is working to bring that about. Mm -hmm. So, as heroes, your main objective is to prevent this ritual from happening, and you travel mm -hmm. all throughout the Sword Coast to make this work, and eventually you end up in the, the north, in the Ten Towns region. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much a brief description on it. Um, so far, some pretty big moments I've enjoyed from this quest. Some, some highlights are definitely um, fighting that opening, that dragon in the opening scene. That was a big intro, a way to get started, really sink your teeth in, and to understand what exactly it is that you're fighting against. Right. I think I thought that was really cool. Um, I mean, what what else did you really like about it? You got another favorite moment? Favorite moments. Uh, I actually, I did like the sense of pressure that you have right in the opening, where like, I mean, there's the there's not just the dragon, but the cultists and them working against you. Mm -hmm. And so like, there we had to sneak through that part under the castle and get out. And mm, yeah, that was interesting. I definitely enjoyed the uh, kind of like intro quest, if you will, if you want to call it that, where we had to go to the cave and find the dragon eggs and where we hunted the cult members down to and stuff. But mm -hmm. that was all pretty much in the early stages. And that's what we've really done as far as the quest in general. But the rest has been pretty heavily uh, homebrewed, like Jake was saying yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, any pros and cons you want to highlight? 
In terms of cons, I would say one of the things this campaign suffers from, especially early on, is this sense of there's only one path to take. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit railroady, as some people would say. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So you're not really free to do much. You just got to follow along with the story. Yeah. Of course, that kind of usually ties into the DM and everything and what they want to do. But if you're following it straight as, then it can be a little little railroady. Yeah. But, I mean, it's pretty well written. It's a fun little intro quest. So I would suggest it for beginner players. It is and, a good introduction to D- D&D 5th edition in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would not say it's a masterpiece, but enjoyable overall. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So let's move on into our... Uh, number seven on our list, Lost Minds of Fandelver. Now, this quest essentially is you are in the town of Fandolin, I believe. Uh, not exactly sure on the 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 exact town name, but yeah, Fandolin is the town. Yeah, you're you're essentially tasked with um, looking for uh, a mining expedition. Some miners that went missing, or some treasure seekers, some thrill seekers. Uh, that went missing or they got captured. Uh, you start out, you start out the quest essentially helping a caravan out, um, and then you're attacked by goblins who then you essentially track back to a cave where you find out that they have been stealing goods from Fandolin over the course of time. And you know it kind of turns into a bigger story where you you find these people are looking for the lost mines of Fandelver, which contains uh, ancient relics, ancient power, stuff like that. So. It's it's got rich history. It's got a great town and everything, um, but a lot of a lot of cool NPCs too, and a lot of interesting things going on with it. Um, you have any favorite moments from it that you want to highlight? I liked that Nautic fight. That's pretty cool. It's just it's an unusual enemy to fight. Mm-hmm. And don't fight too many of them. Yeah, it's something we don't really see as a standard D and D monster. One-eyed um, little creeper. Yeah. Uh, other parts I liked the. Kragma Castle part as well. I don't want to spill too much on that, but mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice way of creating an, a location that's worth exploring. Mm-hmm. One one moment I definitely want to highlight ties in kind of Tyranny of Dragons. It has that that dragon fight in it too, and I always mm-hmm. enjoy the dragon fights where you go to, I can't remember the town name exactly, um, but it's been destroyed and taken over by a green dragon, and you're supposed to go there to speak with a druid about um, the location of Cragmaw Castle so you can hunt these goblins down more. But I definitely enjoy enjoyed that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, some pros and cons, I guess, with this, this campaign or this quest. Uh, pros definitely, definitely is easy to run, very simple, uh, very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, Since it was released with the starter kit, yep, it was designed... Yep. More so than Tyranny of Dragons, des- designed to be beginner friendly. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a little less railroady than uh, Tyranny of Dragons and the Horde of the Dragon Queen series. Oh, absolutely. There's a little bit more to do outside of just being like, oh, here's this part. Now let's go on a caravan to this town, and stuff starts getting worse and worse as you go. Yeah, you you get a little more freedom in where you want to go and when. Yeah. But you're still kind of restricted to the, the region, so it's not too yep. big in scope. So that kind of, yeah, that falls into the cons, which we wanted to highlight, too. Uh, it's a, it's small a pro in scope. and a con, because mm-hmm. yeah. depending on if how experienced you are, it could be good to be a small in scope. But you, mm-hmm. if you want to run this as a long-term campaign, you do have to find other content. Yep, mm-hmm. correct. And uh, another kind of con with it, um, 
I, it doesn't stretch too far over um, a long course of a campaign. So if you if you like shorter campaigns, I would definitely say this this is the quest for you. So that kind of goes into our little bit of who this might be for. So if you don't like huge overarching storylines that go from you know level one through twenty, you just want a short little fun adventure that you can run on the weekends without too much um, stress. I would definitely say this is a great quest for that. Yeah, or potentially if you're just looking for a starter quest mm-hmm. to get your party going. And for then sure. you have your own stuff later on. Yep, of course. Um, so now I guess we'll pass it over to, to Jake to introduce our number six on our list. All right, so number six, we have Storm King's Thunder. Now, this one we are still currently running. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the D- dungeon master for that one, and... We haven't really gotten to the meat of the book and storyline stuff yet. We're still doing my homebrew intro quest. Um, but for a summary of kind of description of this campaign, Storm King's Thunder is based on the ordering of the giants, which is their kind of social hierarchy. It's fallen apart. And so chaos has broken out in the north and the Sword Coast. And a group of heroes is hired to alleviate the problems try and deal with the giant threats and find out what's going on Mm -hmm. so the adventure is your party going about through the north exploring trying to find some clues and getting information on what's actually happening before you actually come face to face with giants uh there's or as close as you can uh, they're pretty tall (laughs) that's true there you go um but it is uh it's very heavily giant focused you will face giants there is a few openings for dragons to come in just because the classic giant versus dragon storyline that happens in Faerun. uh but yes i overall it's exploration and giants mm-hmm. i would definitely say i mean like jake said we haven't really gotten into the meat and the potatoes of the the quest book at all but i'm enjoying his homebrew part of it and i really enjoyed the um, zoo break that we had to help with. We had to help awesome. gather up some animals that escaped the zoo that were causing chaos in the town. And uh, another big one was definitely this part that we're doing right now in the in these swamps, uh, trying to trying to eliminate a bullywug threat that's kind of chokeholding the region and not allowing much trade to go through and kind of just um, stealing and capturing people from nearby towns and. Kind of just being an overall pain in the pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, uh, to touch on that quickly too, uh, this homebrew quest, I guess I'm writing. It it does tie into the greater Storm King's Thunder thing, mm-hmm. um, and I am I'm adapting some of the ideas I've learned from later in the book about exploration and uh, more of a sandbox, open sandbox yeah. appeal. So I, I've given them this map to use to explore instead of saying you have to go here and here and here. Mm-hmm. So. Um, in terms of pros and cons, Storm King's pros, it has a significant threat with the giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another classic enemy that you get to face. And I like overall the storyline they have without spilling too much on that since we're still playing it. Yep, yep. Um, I respect that. You you get to face some really interesting NPCs and they can be allies or enemies depending on how mm-hmm. you play it. I really, really enjoy how rich the quest feels with lore already. It feels like there's a yes a ton of great lore about the giants that really hasn't been touched on on any of the quests so far in in fifth edition mm-hmm. or anything like that or 
nothing that I can really remember in any other quest. At least we didn't play them. So. Yeah, I mean, there was the against the Giants, which was an old maybe mm-hmm. third edition game or something, maybe even older than that. But yeah. um, that's kind of where Storm Kings adapts some of its yeah. content from. So, so it has some history to build on. Yeah. So as far as cons go, I mean, obviously we haven't made it too far into the quest, but I know you've spoke kind of on how it has a weaker introduction, kind of similar to the Tyranny of Dragons, Horde of Dragon Queen style. Yes. Um, Storm King's Thunder, I am personally not a fan of the initial quest called Nightstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it For me, it just runs way too fast through one through levels one through five. It doesn't give uh, any opportunities for the party to really build relationships between each other because... You do one town, kill some bandits, find out a little bit about what's happening, go save some people, fight some orcs, and then it's like you're level five pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it's really fast, um, which it, you know that could be a pro for some people. For us, it was yeah. a con. Yep. We like to take a little bit slower pace in our games. Yep. Yep. I I and I haven't heard too much cons other than that from the community and and you yourself just kind of reading the head on the quest. So mm-hmm. I I personally don't have anything else. I know you just kind of spoke on that. So yeah, I would say another con that kind of comes up later, it in being so open and where you mm-hmm. can go. Yeah. You, you have to be very aware of the locations and events that can take place. So you right. have to have a pretty good understanding of not just one path, but like. The whole region, you have to at least mm-hmm. have a basic, this location is here, and this location is here, so you have to do more planning, I would say. Yeah. So what kind of group do you think this caters to then most? Storm King's Thunder, like I would say it caters to a party that's looking for a classic uh, underdog appeal. You are fighting against the odds, mm-hmm. you're facing giants, and uh, there is the final threat that is revealed is a whole nother tier of danger so it, it really builds on this Ooh, idea of get me excited yeah you're always you're almost always an underdog and you still have to succeed so yeah. I, i'd say that kind of classic appeal is there and then also people who are looking for something that's very lore heavy and exploration heavy right all right yeah so those last three that we talked about have kind of been quests we're still working on haven't really finished 100 percent exactly well, so aside from Fandelver. Van Delp, well, we never really... We got really it, close it? to finishing. We we ended up switching from Wave, yeah. Wave Echo Cave. We yep. switched off there. Yeah, But the character true. survived. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They did. Just kind of a little unfinished project. So now we're going to kind of get into some more that we kind of finished, and that's why I think they're a little higher on our list, too. Um, but number five, this is a homebrew campaign that I wrote personally myself. Uh, aside from the intro, it's going to be called Orbs of Elemental Chaos. This quest actually started out as an early 4th edition campaign, and we transitioned it into 5th edition uh, as soon as the release of 5th edition came around. But a little bit about it is the description and everything is... we It was really heavily catered towards individual character storylines. So, um, But essentially there was this group of... Um, guild masters, or um, I don't know what you want to call them. Pretty much cultists. Cultists, yeah. That can be a good word. Um, that lived in Akinol. It was a council of them, four of them. One earth, one water, one air, and one uh, fire, Genasi. And they were in Akinol, and they were trying to, they had discovered a orb while digging 
Um, I can't remember exactly where it was, um, but this orb contained unlimited, untapped elemental energy that they were trying to draw on and restore from. But at the same time, it would cut into their lives and their life and everything like that. And um, so they couldn't just take it all in at once. It had to be a slow burn kind of building up to what they ultimately transformed it into, which they managed to transform themselves into elemental gods of chaos, um, each with their own respected Genasi types as the gods they became. So um, that's that's kind of what it was, but the heroes had to go on a quest to the Sword Coast and essentially you know, fight through their own individual stories and everything like that. So it was a really, really catered to them. Um, I don't want to touch too much on the story, the individual stories. Um, if you guys have some questions about them, we can get into it in a later episode and everything, or you can just ask us personally about it. But um, that's that's kind of a little bit of the a rough draft of what, what we went through with it. Um, are there any highlights or anything you want to talk about playing in it, Jake? I was just the DM, so. Yeah, uh, the highlights, let's see. The ending was really mm-hmm. good. We had a good ending. Epic fight at yeah. the end, which almost led to a total party kill, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say overall my favorite part was the Vecna fight, though. Yes. That was so cool. Yeah. Um, and we're obviously epic tier characters, and we get to face Vecna, and he had his eye and his hand, and he was bringing down the hammer. Oh, yeah. Our barbarian got put in a maze, and it was just the rest of us duking it out with Vecna as he's desperately trying to escape. Yeah. It's intense. So, I mean, there's 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 going to be pros and cons to this quest, obviously. It's not one that anyone can really play. Um, we, I haven't written or adapted it to that, that style yet. It's kind of one of my goals to do that eventually. It's just hard with all the single roleplay stories to tie, to tie those into one overarching story that works for any group, you know what I mean? Yeah. But did you have any pros or cons? Uh, I, I mean, con, it was a really long campaign. Yes. So Five years to run it. Yeah, so if you, you know, how we did it, it was really long. So mm-hmm. I imagine when we rewrite this, it mm-hmm. will be a lot shorter. Yeah. Pros, I, I enjoyed giving you guys years of of time skip time essentially mm-hmm. arcs of just you guys being able to be yourselves and have years to do and achieve goals of things that you guys wanted to do and I, I, it's a system I would like to see more implemented into the Dungeons and Dragons world not so just like you gotta rush to do this you know like I want to see that kind of slow nuanced feeling where it's like alright yeah you completed this quest but now things are going to be calm for a while not everything's yeah. going to be chaos because that chaos has been taken care of, but the new threat is kind of moving in. It's all about the long game instead of like just little bits and pieces that work together and stuff like that kind of. Yeah, it was nice to have downtime activity. That mm-hmm. was when we really started exploring it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I'd suggest this quest for anyone. It's pretty, I mean, I would suggest, I'm not going to say this quest because like I said, we don't have it done, but I would suggest a homebrew quest for anyone. It's a fun way to really get your group involved with each other and to keep everyone interested. And it really caters to their characters and building a story together. Mm-hmm. So that's that's about it for that one. That was number five on our list. All right. Sitting at number four, we have one that is extremely popular. We have Curse of Strahd. 
Mm-hmm. This Curse of Strahd campaign is it's pretty dark. I mean, we're facing a vampire named Strahd. Yep. In his own playing Barovia, he has nearly complete control of the region. And yeah. the adventuring party is basically wandering into this by chance. Yeah. Um, there's there's more behind the scenes that happens, but from the point of view of the player, you're basically just doing your own thing, and all of a sudden you're there. You're and, in Barovia, and, and there's no escape. And you're like, how do I get out of here? Where am I? Yep. So These mists just come in and absorb and envelop the party. The next thing they know, they retract, and you're suddenly in this new dark gray world with uh, someone to give you a nice introduction. Strahd himself. foggy and... Ugh. So he... Strahd has complete control over this area he has control over the minions and the townsfolk live in fear and the goal of the campaign is to try and find as many allies as you can and Mm -hmm. fight back against them Mm -hmm. so you can get out of this place right i've had a ton of good moments in this but i'll try to narrow it down to just a few my personal favorite is the murder house intro absolutely love that yes we so our dungeon master Matt for this game. He actually mentioned this to me. Like we did this murder house part, and we just skipped the town. We left the town of Barovia, which yep. is one of the major towns of the campaign. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting in our approach. We completely went off the track and did our own thing. Yep. So that is a nice thing about Curse of Strad. We'll get into the pros and cons, but. Yep. Uh, in terms of favorite moments for myself, we actually, since we're still playing this one in this current run, I actually just had a moment where um, I believe this is a little bit homebrewed, but I just faced the abbot, and we had this tense moment where it was this religious philosophical battle between my character, who worships Kelimbor, and this guy who is basically a fallen servant of Paylor. And yeah. We ended up duking it out, and my character got that final kill with an inflict wounds. It was yeah, I was pretty proud of in terms of role play, great role play time, and a really satisfying finish there. Mm-hmm. I would definitely suggest this quest to anyone who enjoys a darkier, a darkier, darker, grittier kind of uh, kind of role play, dusk noir style. A little bit of a gothic feel to yep, it. Definitely has that. If you like that little touch of Transylvania or gypsies moving goods and setting up camps and stuff like that with a little bit of lycanthropy thrown in there this is the quest for you and oh yeah just another good thing and super awesome thing about this quest it is versatile you can play this quest almost an infinite number of times just based off of Mm -hmm. the the deck of cards you're supposed to use to draw your fortunes and everything yeah the fortunes basically decide the game Mm -hmm. and they change almost every game yep so it has a lot of replayability that's a good pro i would say a con since we didn't touch on that yeah uh it's dangerous it is a very lethal game like do not expect to survive Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean if you enjoy those things that we highlight and everything that we just talked about this is the quest for you for sure Mm -hmm. um so this next one is going to be number three on our list, Murder in Baldur's Gate. Uh, this quest essentially was released before 5th edition was even out. It was just a playtest module that they had released. So This was when it was currently called D&D Next. Yeah, when they were wanting feedback from the players so they could essentially adapt it and use it to build Faerun um, based off of the players' interactions. They thought that was a good idea, and it definitely was. We... 
we love this quest. Um, but essentially, the whole goal of it is to... You go to Baldur's Gate, and there's kind of a vie for power. There's this power struggle between three three groups. There's the um, thievery kind of guild, which the leader is, if you can remind me of the Will name. Sorrell. Will Sorrell. And there in the outer city. Mm-hmm. In the outer city where all kind of the trash lives and all the... <laughs> not wanted people the undesirables yeah. of sorts <laughs> whatever you want to call them um and then there was you know in the main town the middle class kind of people but that was ran by older raven guard if i'm pronouncing that correctly yes and he you know he was working for the flaming fist and he was trying to kind of just bring order to town his way mm-hmm. and then the last one was an upper class noble who lived in the the kingdom district um his name was uh I believe it's Torrin Silvershield. Torrin Silvershield. Yeah, he was a he was an interesting character, but there was just a vie for power over the town, with ultimately the person you helped the most um, was going to be able to absorb or, or not really absorb, become a vessel for Ball Bale, however you want to pronounce that. I believe it's I believe it's Bahal, but, but it's one of those tricky words. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're essentially trying to trying to prevent him from being risen. But in doing so, you almost kind of help bring it about by kind of bringing in chaos to the city and everything. And it's yeah, it's a great quest. So I don't know. You want to go over some highlights or anything that you enjoyed? I just DM'd it <laughs> again, so you played in it um, in the mess. Well, I guess I had a player too. I it's it's kind of a highlight, but it's not a good highlight. We had a moment where one of our players um, he basically made the wrong choice, uh, and some children's hands got cut off and put up on the statue. That was one of the moments where our whole party was just like, oh no, what have we gotten into? That was a great wake-up call. Yeah. we Before that moment, we were just kind of plugging along, doing our own thing, like helping people, but we thought we were doing a good job, and then this happened, and it was just reality check. Yep, just get, sowed the seeds of chaos in your own heads. Mm-hmm. And we were the ones that brought it about. Mm-hmm. So it, it does a good job of making you pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah, right. That was definitely one of my one of my favorite highlights. Another thing I would like to highlight with this quest is there's a great amount of role play. It is very role play heavy. So um, if you enjoy kind of working through a town and all of its many people and different faces and uh, very diverse backgrounds, um, this is definitely a definitely that kind of quest. Um, so. I guess kind of moving into some some pros and cons. I kind of want to start off with some some pros here. Um, pros are it's a very very limited scope quest. You could kind of make it a con if you're not into that thing. But I like the limited scope. The whole quest takes place in Baldur's Gate, mm-hmm. which is nice. It's a large town. There's much to explore, and there's just adventure around every corner without going outside the city. Yeah, if you can get your hands on the booklet that comes with it. Um... It does a great job of describing the city. It sets a very thematic feel. Like there's the, the description for the town. In the morning, it's like there's a heavy fog that lies over the harbor. And they even go so far as to give you descriptions of foods that the people eat and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's a very enriched experience of a town in the Sword Coast. Yeah. Uh, that's really about the only pro I wanted to highlight. I mean, there's more, but I don't want to ruin too much this is definitely one that's good to play through just um, for the sake of what about you any cons experience. or any in terms any of cons pros that you got um cons i would say it is it is a frustrating experience it can be very fun but it is frustrating 
because the way the quest is designed, you're almost set up for failure. Mm-hmm. So let that be known when you're jumping into it. There's a very high chance of failure. Uh, it was cool to see that your choices, this is kind of a pro, your choices actually build up to the result. Mm-hmm. So it does have a little bit of replayability in that way. Mm-hmm. So if you choose to help the nobles, the nobles are more yeah. likely to be the ones yeah, to cause so it. That's a good point. It does have a ton of replayability. I never really looked at it that way. But um, depending on what you do, the outcome can change numerous amounts of times. The ending, there's... Now that I'm thinking about it, I think there's essentially three different endings. At least three. So and it could end a potentially little bit different in each one. one because there, the oh yeah, there was ships between. If them. I remember right, there's even a, a ending where one of the heroes could become the vessel. Yes, yes. So there, there's a, a lot twist. of there's a lot of good stuff with this quest. Um, I would definitely suggest this one for. I mean, it was better when it was early on and still D and D next, and you could affect the outcome of the world but it's still a good one to play if you love role play if you love getting into kind of more of a mysterious town and kind of learning its secrets and what people's schedules are stuff like that it's more it's more campy and um smaller in scope so that it's it's less going on yeah and it Um, is it could be a pro and a con but this is a very short quest we finished it in about 12 hours, one night. We yep. did a power session. <laughs> yes, so it's not going to fill a lot of months of gameplay. Yep. So moving on anyways to our number two quest on our list, Tomb of Annihilation. Um, I'll speak a little bit on this one because I ran it as a DM. Um, two times. Yep, two times. But that was by that was by choice. Uh, essentially, you know, you're, you're tasked from from this lady um, in the town of Waterdeep to help help save the world, essentially. Not really the world, but to save her. Um, she's told that she's been afflicted by a curse where since she's been restored from the dead previously that she's starting to deteriorate and her life is starting to dissipate now. And you're sent to Cholt to investigate this source of the curse where you have to go through the jungles and fight numerous, numerous amounts of challenges, undead, flying folk, pterodactyls, natives, grung, goblins, anything you can think of, dinosaurs even. Yes. It's it's usually all there. It's a dangerous place, but ultimately you find out that the source of the power is coming from a certain place, this tomb, and you have to go into this tomb and go through its many traps and hidden uh, enemies and, and fight your way and claw your way to the, to the end where you can essentially find out what exactly is going on. And a little bit of the story gets peeled back layer by layer as you keep exploring this these jungles and this tomb and the town around it and everything. Um, so, like I said, I, I DM'd it kind of twice, but that's because we had a party play. They started at level one. Uh, Jake was in that group and a couple other guys, and they they died on their first encounter outside the city of Port Nyanzaru. Yeah. So we had to we had to start them another character. We started them at level five, kind of juiced them up a little so they could get through the the jungle area, and and they made it through the jungle area and worked their way all the way to the Omu, and ultimately to the Tomb of Annihilation. So Jake's gonna hit on some highlights of the quest he thought. Highlights. Uh, the Port Nanzaru itself is beautifully described. There's so much to do. There's 
role play opportunities there's games there's items so there's a little bit of something for everyone in that Mm -hmm. way and other highlights i would say once you actually get to omu itself with how you described it it was a really great job Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's just almost this like magical scene of a sunken city and then jumping into this place of mystery and intrigue and danger it was a great feel for just like classic adventure like learning how it how it came to the state what happened to the city why is it sunken down why is it abandoned why is no one living here yeah all those all those kind of good things definitely Yeah. yeah one of my highlights is definitely just the um pure pure role play and adventure sense of adventure in this one it's just it's phenomenal there's so much to do um yeah there are a lot of npcs that you can run to into in the middle of the quest where mm -hmm. like for example um we had a certain notable figure uh artist simber i believe his name was Mm -hmm. he shows up in our game and the people who are chasing him catch up to us and so we have this moment where do we want to help him or fight these people that are probably going to kick our butts we ended up having to just give up on him and let him go. Yeah. He's a he's a very important character in the story. He can be a powerful ally that can really help the party, or he can really be an ally that comes into the group that brings a lot of stress to the party because of the people hunting him. He has baggage. Yep, he definitely has baggage. Um, but, yeah, some, some pros and cons here. Uh, pros, definitely... A very challenging quest if you enjoy that. Um, it's for experienced players. Yeah. Um, it's with Speaking on that, though, it also can become just as easy as a normal quest, depending on how the DM wants to run it. That option is in the book. That's it true. does exist. Um, I would say to get the especially in the tomb out of, out of the book itself, run you it probably want to run it as mm-hmm. hard as you can. High DCs. There's the meat grinder mode meat where grinder. death saves are a 15 instead of a 10 DC. Mm-hmm. Pros, another pro, it takes place not on the Sword Coast, and then and then it takes place in Faerun still, but in a different little area where um, you're not used to seeing, and it's kind of out outside of civilization, so it's a little more um, dependent on its own devices and everything like that. So it's more mm-hmm. of a rugged, um, less um, structured civilization, if yeah. you will. And there really hasn't been much jungle content, so a whole yeah. new environment in and general. That yeah, that kind of ties into another pro where you can run besides the main quest line, you can run a campaign outside of that. Like it's so big. Yeah, the island itself is massive. We explored. We played it two times, and we explored maybe a quarter of the island. Probably not even honestly. Yeah, and that second time we we gunned. Pretty straight for Omu, but we still took a few detours along mm-hmm. the way, and yep. we still just barely got through a quarter of the island. Yeah. So, is there any cons you want to hit on? I know uh, there is. It's, I mean. it's lethal. It's worse than Strahd. I mean, yep. we we died twice. We had two TPKs, and that second group we had was near optimal for the campaign, and mm-hmm. we still just couldn't finish it out. Yeah. So, be ready for setbacks and the potential failure. Mm-hmm. Don't, I mean, get attached to your character, but don't plan on them maybe living by the end of this thing. Yes. Um, other cons, there are some of the puzzles and some of the places along the way 
do not actually give you any information on how to solve it. And so you're kind of left to really thinking outside the box and Mm -hmm. pulling in a solution that without any context, it's almost like, how did you get to that answer? Mm -hmm. There's just these tiny hints that you have to pick up along the way. So you have to be sharp. You have to pay attention the whole time. Mm -hmm. And for some groups, if you're one of those groups that, you know, you got text messages going in and you got to take care of your family or whatever, there's, it, it can be difficult to keep up with the campaign. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of um, dangers to be to be discovered for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, this quest is definitely for people who want to challenge, um, who enjoy um, good role play, great adventure, and um, that feeling of just saving the world because that's essentially what what you end up doing yeah and bringing an end to the curse you mm-hmm. save the world of, in a way it's so. there's there's a lot hanging over your heads in this one so yes it's got that giant sense of urgency with it so and if you're not afraid to die in an adventuring party that is also a game for you yeah i it's it's really good it's it's definitely it's one that can be for everyone but i would more suggest it for highly highly experienced groups and everything but it's it's definitely something fun to dive into yeah so uh topping out our list at number one this was our favorite simply because of the way it ended i think but number one we have out of the abyss out of the phenomenal abyss. campaign it was great i clay i'll let you talk about this because you ran this one too oh yeah so essentially the scope of this quest is you are Awoken in a prison, you've been captured by drow, you've been forced to become a slave for them, um, and now you're trying to plan this prison break. And as you get this prison break planned, you escape, and you find out through your escaping now that you have no idea what you're doing in the Underdark. Like, you don't know where you're going, unless you maybe play a character like a drow or... Uh, Durgar or Snifnerdelden. Snurblin? Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. But, uh, you know, a creature native to the Underdark. So you have to build relationships with these kind of eccentric characters, these offbeat characters that are not necessarily good, but not necessarily evil. And Mm -hmm. they have to lead you around the Underdark where you find that there's this ever-encroaching presence that the demon lords are coming for everything in the underdark and are going to take control of it and then move to the uh, world above Faeron and start just taking out everyone and converting people to their religion. Um, so that's that's kind of the scope of this quest. Um, but you were obviously a player in it and I like you said I was DMing it. So what what were some highlights that you that you loved? Highlights that I loved um Sloopladoop, I think was that name yeah, of the Kuatoa. Mm-hmm. The Kuatoa village. Uh, for us, that's where we ended up running into the Demogorgon. Yep. And we are by no means ready to fight them. So it's that, that moment of just sheer terror as mm-hmm. we're faced with unfathomable odds. And mm-hmm. our party, a couple of the party members actually went mad and we had to try and rescue them. And like, mm-hmm. this is one of the few times I've actually used an action surge to move move and grab someone instead of attacking people to pieces yep uh but yeah that was an awesome moment of just getting away from the Mm -hmm. most dangerous thing we could uh other highlights i mean i got one definitely go ahead go ahead um 
definitely the fact that this quest takes you from the Underdark out of the Underdark, you escaping the Underdark, and that's just a midpoint in the quest. Mm-hmm. Then you find out that, oh, this threat's bigger than you think, and now you're kind of responsible for taking it on because you have more information than anyone else. So after escaping the Underdark, you're essentially forced to go back down, but this time with some potential allies, and then fight that threat. And I love I love that whole part of this quest. It's a great, great yeah, highlight to it. Yeah. From pretty much from slaves to heroes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Uh, another highlight. Oh, I think it's a very broad highlight, but I would say the demon lords themselves mm-hmm. are a great set of enemies. Oh yeah, they're... their minions and their influence, and just it's very good idea of like bosses that you have to face mm-hmm. and actually impacting the world around right them. well the underdark's so huge so there has to be more than just one kind of regional threat you know like it's exactly so each one of these demon lords offers their own unique threat and then you have to fight through those challenges so it's always evolving and the regions are always changing depending on what you run into so mm-hmm. definitely um pros and cons definitely a lot of pros I don't think there's too many cons. Cons, I'll start off by saying it's a, it can be a little railroady towards the second half of the quest after you come back down. Yeah, but that's also you're given a mission to do, mm-hmm. and you have to stop the Demon Lords in a set time frame. So mm-hmm. it, it, it is a little bit railroady, but at least has a purpose behind it. Yep. Definite pros. Um, really, really can bring a group of strangers. Like Most times quests are, it's hard to bring a group of people together that are, don't know each other. But this one, they're kind of forced to work with each other yeah. and form those bonds as they escape the Underdark, which is a really rewarding experience. That, yes. And which, I think is a huge strength of this quest. Which, in a way, that makes it great for if you have a group of people that don't know each other mm-hmm. and you're playing D&D together for the first time, that does become a good pro for this one. You don't have to know each other. You don't have to know each other's play styles. You just have to know that you're going to work together to escape. It's, yeah, it's the only way to really win this one, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. We tried having a person do something solo, and that did not go well for him. He, you do not want to travel the Underdark alone. He got killed in the Underdark. He did. We had to bring him back. Thankfully, there's not the death curse in like, Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah, yep. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been coming back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, is there any other pros or anything you want to touch on? I mean, there's there's a lot of great lore and everything to this quest, and just it's a very refreshing quest and that you're not on the sword coast and it takes place entirely essentially under the underdark so yeah i would say in some ways it has a little bit of that storm king's thunder appeal where mm-hmm. it's it is pretty exploration heavy there's a lot of clues and lore along the way that will help you come to a conclusion that you desire um and in terms of cons uh there's there is definitely certain builds that are better for this one i mean you have to deal with darkness mm-hmm. a lot and if yeah. you don't have dark vision, it can be a pain, and light can give your party away. So it, there, in some ways, it can be pretty frustrating on that aspect. But that, that could be a pro too mm-hmm. because it gives a different style of play. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things. I would say this type of quest is definitely for um, really any range of group. I mean, there's so much you can do with it. There's not necessarily one way to do it right or do it wrong. You know? Yes. It's very open ended and very. Um, respectful of those choices that your party makes. There's always something that can happen based off of this, and then that kind of leads into like, oh, well, now that we get, now that that happened, we have to do this. Yeah, there are 
um, there are a few things along the way where your choices make a huge difference, and then there's a few spots where your choice makes almost no difference. Mm-hmm. So the stakes change throughout the game. Yeah. It's a very challenging quest, I'd say, um, but a very fun one overall. That's kind of why it took that number one spot. And the ending uh, fight is a very great conclusion to this quest and the build-up to it. It's yeah. very rewarding. Yeah. So. Especially, and it can even be even better depending on the outcome of what happens throughout the quest. Absolutely. So um, definitely, definitely a good one to look into. So that pretty much wraps up our list. Um, we're going to just kind of list the ones that we have in order again. Uh, Jake, if you want to get those. Yep, so starting at the bottom, we had Tyranny of Dragons, and then we had Lost Minds of Phandelver. Number six, we had Storm King's Thunder. At number five, we had our homebrew campaign, Orbs of Elemental Chaos. Number four, we had Curse of Strahd. Number three, Murder in Baldur's Gate. Number two, Tomb of Annihilation. And finally at the top, we have Out of the Abyss. All right. Yeah, we just want to thank everyone for listening to us, episode two. Um, we wanted to give a little bit of a reminder that we do have a social media page on Twitter, at uh, Tavern Legends. You can follow us on there, give us a like, um, watch as we post some stuff. We kind of post random stuff or talk to people about rules and stuff like that. Any questions, you can hit us up on there through our DMs or just hitting us up directly. Um, also, we have our Facebook group. Uh, that's going to be Tavern Legends 2. Uh, it's more loosely based than the, the Twitter and not as involved, but we do post on there occasionally some events and stuff like that that we have going on. Yeah, just to clarify, Tavern Legends, not a number two, just as well. Yeah, yep, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so, those are, so those are two things that, we can, that you guys can definitely check out in the meantime. We also have an, our first episode. If you're just hearing this one, you can check that out on podbean.com. It should be Tavern Legends Episode 1 Table Talk. Yes. So um, is there anything else that you were wanting to throw in there? I think that will be covering this episode for today. Uh, going forward, we have a couple episodes planned. Uh, number three, we have planned a player's guide of sorts. We are hoping to basically guide new players through the process of maybe creating a character and just about D&D in general. And then number four, we're thinking about doing one that's more geared towards Dungeon Masters and running the game and how to set up for the game. So you have that to look forward to. So that completes episode number two of Tavern Legends Table Talk. Thank you for staying a while and listening.